Jose Ramirez is returning to baseball activities, competitive baseball activities, but not with the Cleveland Guardians. We'll get into it on today's episode of Locked on Guardians. You are Locked on Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Guardians. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com backslash locked on today to get started. I want to thank you for making Locked On Guardians your first listen today and every day where you get podcasts. And before you have a heart attack, Jose is with the Guardians. <laughs> but uh, he's going to be playing for another team in a competitive setting. I don't consider spring training competitive. Maybe I'm wrong. But in a competitive setting first, uh, Justin, why don't you let him know uh, where he's playing, and then we can de- who he's playing for, I should say, and then we can debate <laughs> all aspects and sides as to this. Yeah. So tonight, uh, I think it was already pretty confirmed, but uh, Jose Ramirez did say that he is going to play for the Dominican Republic in the World Baseball Classic, which starts on March eighth. Uh, I don't know if the Dominican Republic has a game on March eighth. Um, they do not. But anyway. That is not really uh, the whole point. But, yeah, it looks like, based on the roster composition, Jose Ramirez is is probably going to play second base for the Dominican Republic. We'll see how the final iteration shakes out of that roster. But the preliminary rosters that have been out so far uh, also include more than one Cleveland Guardian uh, player on the Dominican Republic roster. We're going to get to that maybe today. Maybe we'll do it in a future episode. I'm not sure yet. But uh, today we'll focus on Jose Ramirez. yeah, he is going to play for the Dominican Republic. That lineup, by the way, let me, let me just read this lineup off if you haven't seen it, first of all, because this is silly and it's just going to be fun. Julio Rodriguez in center. This this is another projected lineup that has Jose Ramirez playing second, hitting second. Juan Soto, Vlad Guerrero, Rafael Devers, Manny Machado, Jeremy Pena, Gary Sanchez. So uh, this is, uh, they're missing a position, I think. They don't have a uh, yeah, center, left, right. They don't have a right fielder. Uh, that's interesting. So this line doesn't have a right fielder. And so somebody wrote this article and, and had an uh-oh. Uh, maybe they don't have a, a confirmed right fielder because they have a DH, but no um, <laughs> no right fielder. I mean, Teoscar Hernandez could be it. Yeah, the bench. The bench, by the way, we'll, we'll, we can talk about Where this later. He, too, the yeah, I would say him over Eloy, but I would say Teoscar would be my bet. Yeah. So the lineup, though, has Jose playing second because Rafael Devers would DH and Manny Machado would play third. The lineup doesn't really have another second baseman unless they were to like shift somebody out of position. So Jose, I guess, would be out of position. But uh, yeah, I, I'm. It's going to be interesting for Cleveland with Jose Ramirez playing in the World Baseball Classic because obviously this team is extremely dependent on him making the engine go. Obviously, he influenced everybody last year, and everybody played off of his style which is what they needed, which is what they wanted when they re-signed him. He is their El Capitan, even though he is not wearing the captain's patch. That'd be cool, but that's not his style. Um, so obviously he is the straw that serves the drink for Cleveland. And I don't know. We know we know the history of the World Baseball Classic in terms of early competitive games, you know, where you'd normally just kind of be ramping up in camp. And um, there's also, you know, some risks in – playing second base that don't exist when you're playing third. So this is going to be interesting to navigate. And 
and keep an eye. I'm excited for Jose because I know this is a big honor for him. I'm excited to watch him play, and I'm excited to see the world see more of him. But um, this is, you know, it's tricky waters to navigate for sure. You know, on the other side of it, I will say this, that, you know, if you're considering moving guys around, Jose Ramirez hasn't played second base since 2018. At least Manny Machado played shortstop in 2019. Part of me wonders if there is a world like, I mean, Jeremy Payne is good, but it's like, could Machado play short for this? Could Jose go to third? Would that open up Kettle Marte at second? We don't, you know, need to get into specifics. But I do wonder if there's a plan or a talk. I mean, for a guy coming back from an injury that he let sit since June, I mean, he he dealt with torn ligaments for like all of those months to have the surgery and come back. Be like, now go play a position you. That she haven't played since 2018. Yeah, it's been a few years since he played second base. Uh, I don't know. There's just a lot. There is just a lot of injury versus second base, and for him to hold off um, his injury from the season is definitely a concern. And then and getting that figured out, and he was still kind of ramping up the last few. Weeks. I don't know where he. I don't know where Jose, we don't know where Jose Ramirez is in terms of his uh, progression and coming back from his injury. The fact that he obviously was was still rehabbing in December, <clears throat> definitely a concern. Hopefully, uh, obviously the Guardians and, and Jose Ramirez would, would not be considering him playing in the World Baseball Classic if the thumb wasn't 100%. So I don't think that's the issue. Uh, obviously, I think they're both going to work together on that, and he's not going to risk <clears throat> an injury either. And the Guardians obviously would, would keep an eye on that. So I'm not worried about the, I'm not worried about the thumb so much. I'm more worried about playing out of I say playing out of position, but there are he just is more, playing out of position. He is, but there are just there are just more risks playing second base than there are third base with slides and turning double plays. And you don't have a third base. Um, he is, obviously, he's familiar with the position. I don't think it's just you know he hasn't played in three or four years played second base, but 2018. So it's it's a good four years. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not worried about playing playing out of position so much as I am just the actual risks of second base. This yeah, is just, why Cleveland never moved him back to second base. I remember all, yeah. all this time they were talking about moving him from third back to second, like in 2019 and, and all those other times too, they could like for Nolan Jones, even before he got traded with they you know, should they move Jose back to second to bring up Nolan Jones? There's a reason Cleveland resisted that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I think this is part of it. It's a higher risk. It's also like, different flexibility, like different things you have to work on kind of in terms of your body and, and, you know, it's different muscle groups in terms of your quick reaction and what you have to do. And I, I think, you know, there's, yeah, I, there's reasons why this is a much greater risk. And uh, the world baseball classic always scares me. I'm not a fan just because I feel like there's like part of me in the back of my mind. That's like, it ruined Cody Allen and Andrew Miller. Like I can't. Did know, Cody Allen ever pitch? You're thinking Pistano? Maybe it's, yeah, Pisano, not Alan Pisano. But it's like, you know, it's like every reliever who's gone out there has not come back to Cleveland quite the same. And Cleveland's going to probably have two relievers out there, uh, you know. And, I mean, if you want to look at the positive, I mean, listen, it's it's a great thing to represent your country. I just, I am risk adverse when it comes to prospects. So I'm risk adverse when it comes to the World Baseball Classic. Um, but the other side of it, I'll say, is if you want to look for even someone like me who's being curmudgeonly with it, the upside to this is that it's going to oper- open opportunities for a lot of young players to get a lot more reps in camp. 
And we recently got the non-roster invitee list. So, you know, it's not everyone from the 40 man will necessarily be in camp, but typically everyone. And then here there's a group of other players who are also getting an opportunity. And we're going to get to that on a second on Lockdown Guardians. So make sure you tune in to find out what we think, who the big surprises and the players you're going to have to need to know. But first, we got to talk about one of our fantastic sponsors, the good people over at FanDuel, one of our brand new sponsors. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they're the number one sportsbook in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features to make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. The FanDuel Sports app is safe, secure, and easy to use. And best of all, you get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel.com, the official sportsbook of the NFL and Locked On. I was looking real quick at the FanDuel. <clears throat> they have the Guardians line at, at uh, over eight, eight, over under 86 and a half wins. I feel like I would probably take the over on that right now. It's uh, uh, minus 128 right now for um, over 86. I would take that. Sure. Yeah, I probably would as well, if I'm being honest. Yeah, it's a, you know, uh, I, last year I definitely told everyone to bet the over. Yeah, but, that worked out pretty good. Yep. We should, uh, you know, what I was going to throw at you is at this list of players that we discussed a little bit beforehand, what name grabbed you the most? I would say it's two names. It's uh, <clears throat> David Fry is interesting. Uh, but probably <clears throat> I can't pick one. I guess if I had to pick one, it's Micah Preece because I like Micah Preece mm. a lot. I got a different but, one, so that's good. <clears throat> the other name I'd have to put in there, though, is is Kate Smith. I ha- I couldn't ignore that name either. Those are the two names I, if I had to pick, and then I would throw Fry third. But, you know, you need a lot of catchers in camp, so David Fry being there wasn't really a surprise. So I would say Micah Preece and, and Kate Smith were my two names that stuck out the most. No, I, you know, for me, it's Kate Smith. Um, The great story of the, you know, undrafted free agent and that, you know, one of those guys who got hosed by the six round 2020 draft. Like there's no other way around it. Got the minuscule bonus University of Hawaii guy. And he's just, you know, they put him in that relief role. He's missed just a ton of bats. Uh, Command, you know, not necessarily what we see typical with Guardians pitchers, but he doesn't get hit hard. He, you know, he doesn't get hit. So I'm kind of intrigued to see him in camp. Uh, I believe he would be a, you know, it would take a lot of development to see him add to the 40 man, but I think he's one of those guys who'd have to be added at the end of the year. But of all the reliever types they could add, and there's a lot of players they could have considered, you know, you and I have talked about all the potential relievers. Smith uh, to me was the name that kind of stood out uh, for just being, you know, unexpected i did not expect to see him there at all and he, he's an interesting definitely an interesting name on the rise yeah the walk rate's definitely problematic for smith uh 13 and a half percent walk rate at both levels last year over uh looks like uh, about 70 just under 70 innings so <clears throat> in the 60 range so that's definitely problematic for him 
the control's not good. The control hasn't been good since he's been a, been a pro. But uh, there's good life on the fastball. He gets good extension in his delivery, and the slider's good. Um, and when we, you know, we talked uh, to Dan Zimborski a month ago about Zips, Zips was very high on Kate Smith as a prospect, you know, has him striking out over 27% of batters uh, in their projections over 53 innings. And, I, and that doesn't seem, you know, the ERA is at 442 according to Zips, which isn't great, but for a guy who's in double A and has a lot of walk issues, that's a pretty good projection considering he's only got two pro years. He's undrafted. So there's a lot of uh, intrigue there. Not like he throws that hard. I mean, I think he tops out about 94 or so, but um, he's got two pitches. He's got good extension. He's got reception. So he's a, t- he's a tough guy to face because he's, what, 6'5"? I think he's pretty tall. So he's tough to face. I think he's one of those guys for sure that can edge his way into the bullpen picture, not this year, but somewhere in the future. I mean, they have other bullpen guys on <clears throat> on the invite list. Bull- to me, bullpen guys are never uh, a surprise. Like, you know, they invited Mikulacek, who didn't have a great year last year, but he had a great 2021. And if he had repeated his 2021 season in 2022, he would already be on the 40 and then on the majors. Andrew Misiazic, I mean, good for him to get a, a look in camp because you and I both like him a little bit. And uh, he has opened the eyes of some in the prospect and the analytics community with his unique fastball. And, and he's got decent command. Um, so good for him to get a look. I don't know. Micah Priest to me, though, is just so interesting because look ever on this list. Like, okay, Logan Allen on this list, that's a that's a no-brainer, right? He's a top prospect. Um, you signed Caleb Berger to a minor league deal, so you know he was going to get an invite. Same with Michael Kelly and, and Roman Quinn and Caleb Simpson and Mabry's Valora and Battenfield was here last year. You need arms. And we'll talk about Elise Oviedo but, and David Fry. You need catchers, and they signed Tucson. But Micah Priest is the only guy in this list who kind of like stands out is you don't need a lot of first baseman slash outfielders in camp. Like you don't need a ton of those dudes. You need catchers and relievers. And yes, you need backups. You need guys to finish out games, especially when you have split squad games. But like Mike Caprice was a guy who could be, could have been out of the 40 man roster. Obviously they weren't worried about losing him in the rule five draft, but he's just an interesting name. Cause he, he flew under the radar last year, almost had a 2020 season. He had, what nine? I think nineteen home, uh, nineteen homers and twenty steals. I have to go back and check, but I don't know. He, he's just not a name a lot of people know about, and for for them to invite a first base outfielder, um, he's the only one, right? Like they don't have anybody else in that list, right? It's Quinn, Quinn and Quinn's the only outfielder on that list they invited to yeah, non roster. It's not. I mean, it's it's almost no bats, which is interesting because. I mean, they they brought up the three catchers. It almost makes you wonder if David Fry will get some time at third base if Jose's out because they just don't have a ton of options. Like, I, part of me almost goes like, yeah, he's listed as a catcher, and I'm sure he'll get reps there. But part of me wonders if he'll be at third. I think you know to kind of go back, which you know people may not want, but I think what's kind of interesting about Cade Smith is that they chose to go with him over, say, Mason Hickman, who was you know from that draft class. Not you know to throw shade on anyone, but I think it is interesting who they choosing him when they do did have some other players. So just, I think that speaks a lot to their valuation and their desire to see, uh, you know, he struck out what high 30% of guys in the walks that we talked about are an issue, but it's like, if he's got stuff that misses, you know, you can maybe work with him in certain way. I mean, they've got a, a blueprint with, with Karen jock, right? Like that's missed a ton of bats, had a lot of issues with walks. Um, so, so maybe there's, 
you know, very different pitchers, but uh, you know, it is interesting. They're not inviting anybody here on a whim. Let's put it that way. Uh, You know, I Prees. I just wonder if he is, you know, that other, I, I know he played first base last year, but like, I I still think of him, I guess, as an outfielder. Like, it feels like he played first base because they needed somebody there and not like, not not to throw it. Not like they just need to throw anybody more like he was a priority guy who needed to get at bats and they're trying to figure out a way to get everyone at bats. And he ended up with first base. So it's like he, I mean, he's a first baseman now because he, he showed he could play it, Like he's outfielder first. And I just wonder, and again, to throw it back to segment one, you know, we're pretty sure that Jose is, well, Jose is confirmed. You know, there's some other players that could be, it's going to be interesting to see how many guys are missing from this roster in the spring and how many spots they have to fill. And, you know, if they feel like they kind of need some more outfield depth um, because of, I'm, I'm sure they know, like at least 90% sure the guardians, who's going to be in camp and who, who's going to be gone for two weeks. So, but yeah, he's uh, I don't know. when you look at our lists, he he made both of our top thirty prospects. Even though he was not protected or selected, he's got a chance to make an impact this year. And I think the Guardians show that that's the case by inviting him. Yeah, I, I mean, I was surprised for him to be on the invite list. To tell you the truth, I mean, th- I think that says that they are at least you know they were impressed with what he did last year. I agree, he's definitely not just a first baseman. He did play there because look Ak- Akron's options at first base last year were I think him and like Marcos Gonzalez, who really only moved to first base because he could, he was, he was hurt a lot and wasn't playing a lot of middle infield and they had other priority middle infielders. Like they didn't have, they could have moved Joe Naranjo up to, sec- up to first, up to Akron, but he wasn't ready. You know, he didn't have the, the greatest season in Lake County either. So, they didn't have a lot of options, so you're right. And Pries is tall and looks like a first baseman, so uh, I, I was really not expecting him to be getting camp invites. That's why he stood out to me. And back to your point with Smith and Hickman, too. Both Smith and Hickman were AFL relievers last year, so for Hickman not to get an invite, not a, not a dig at him, obviously, but for out of the guys they did send to the AFL last year, Fry and Smith are – the, the non-roster invites from that group. I, mean, I have to go back. Adrian Martinez is on the 40, so obviously he's there. Um, they were going to invite uh, Hunter Stanley, obviously. Yeah, I'm trying to think who else. They, they sent somebody else out there. I can't remember who, but... Um, yeah, I'm blanking on the AFL. But, it kind of goes in one ear and gets Yeah, down. but Hick- Hickman and Smith were, the, were two... I'm sorry, Lenny Torres was on that on that roster, yeah. too. But for... And that was, you know, for... Because he had missed a lot of the season for, for personal reasons. But for Smith and Hickman as relievers, and for them to take Smith... Um, I think says a lot, and I'll be interested with Fry too. We can talk about that in a second too, about who is going to get more playing time with the uh, with Jose being gone and with other guys essentially being gone too. Who to look for in, in camp? Who might uh, who might who might we see more of, especially at third base? No, it's it's going to be interesting because I, I think I think we'll need need those pitching. I think they are going to be short a few guys, and uh, you always do. You always need pitching. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and you don't want to wear guys out, and there'll be the split games, and there'll be all that fun stuff. Uh, we're going to kind of keep hammering down on these non-roster invitees uh, on today's episode of Lockdown Guardians. But first, I want to talk about one of my favorite sponsors. Those are the good people over at BuiltBar.com. I know them. I love them. And, you know, we've got the whole ad read here. But what I've always liked to do with Bar is actually go see what's on the website. 
here's the main points with the Built Bar ad read. You can get them at Walmart, you can get them at Sam's Club, or you can go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15, save yourself 15%. Right now, they have free shipping on all orders through Valentine's Day, and they're pushing the chocolate. Browner, brownie batter, which is great, puff, as well as the double chocolate bar. They do chocolate very well. You can get a Valentine's Day box. There's also some limited releases, caramel apple, raspberry cheesecake, and then their classic variety boxes. Currently on sale, coconut, salted caramel, cookies and cream, uh, and a limited release. I like the banana cream as well. Go to BuiltBar.com today. Use the promo code LOCK15. So by the way, not only will you save 15%, you'll also get that free shipping. Remember, that's BuiltBar.com. It's the only protein bar I eat. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15, or head to Sam's Club or Walmart to get your Built Bars today. Okay, uh, I pulled up the 40-man right before we went into break so we can look, you know, at, at who could be where. It is kind of funny to look at the 40-man and realize there's only two guys without faces on it on the MLB side of things. Um, but we were pretty sure, you know, we look at this outfield grouping. Richie Palacios is going to be at the World Baseball Classic, Correct. Yeah, Team Netherlands. Have, he, team he Netherlands. announced that the other day, too. So that's not yeah. a guy in the 40 who will not be there. Uh, so when you look at the 40-man for that outfield, Benson, Brennan, Gonzalez, Quan, Straw, Valera, and now Prees. So we'll see if anyone else ends up not being with the Guardians. Roman uh, Quinn. <laughs> oh, Roman, he's, on, I, he's on the list. He's like, not, I, not invited. I forgot about Roman Quinn already. <laughs> um, I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, infield. So who can actually play third base? Uh, you know, it's like if we're just going through who could potentially get some reps, are we pretty much thinking like Gabby Arias, Ty Freeman, the guys who played there this past year? Do we think Tana gets a few, you know, reps? Do we think it's David Fry? Who fills that hole for two weeks? All of I kind of lean. They all will. Okay. I kind of Martinez, more... Rocchio, yeah. they all will. They will all probably get reps at third base. I don't think it'll just be one. I, I would I would imagine that Arias probably That's what I was thinking. He'll probably be the guy that gets the, the at bats early in the game, you know, because mm-hmm. when you when you have your first games, and by the way, the first game is only uh let's see, from the time people are listening to this on February seventh, we are about I'm so bad at math. If you guys watch us the other day with the prospects, you know I, my math is terrible. It's February twenty fifth. I don't I'm not I'm not doing the math okay, in my head. So eighteen days. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Yeah. 18 days. That's why we keep uh, you around, Jeff. That's, you know, the math is, <laughs> is my strong suit. Uh, and Hey, I think what do we get college baseball this weekend or is it D two starts this weekend and co- college baseball uh, this weekend, right? Didn't NAI already start? Yeah. Give love to NAIA I think, yeah. The NAI I believe has already started. Juco. Yeah. The Juco. Uh, love the Juco. I think, you know, Hey, isn't that what Lake Erie college is, you know, producer of they uh, are, uh, no, no Lake Erie college might be, might be NAIA, you're right. No, they moved into a division. I don't know. Don't. I can't remember. Make me look bad. Uh, me, give me, sorry. Give me answer questions. I don't know the answer to it. Make me look bad. But uh, college baseball, I think, is starting this weekend. I'm see how far behind I am. I, I don't know for sure, but it's you know, there's a lot of fun baseball. Just to put that out there. But yeah, they're gonna they're they'll have some games, and they're gonna probably in those have those split sp- split squad games. And there's gonna be a lot of at bats. I do feel like the guy will play early when they're facing the like, uh, what is it? Is it Major League Two? Where I know 
people don't like that movie, but where they talk about Willie's really hitting for power this year. And <laughs> Lou Brown says, uh, yeah, off a guy who'll be back in groceries in a week. And that's <laughs> that. I mean, it, it's kind of a true point. Like late in the game, that's why like you almost need um, situational data for spring training. Cause it really does come down to who these guys are facing. And like those early at bats matter a lot more than the later at bats where it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're running it out a bit. You're getting a chance to see other guys. There is value in it. But I, I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if Gabby starts most games and then hands off to someone else. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I think that's what that's what he ends up doing. He'll get most of the reps there. And speaking of your – I, I want to throw this out to people who maybe not aren't aware of. You're talking about situational data. Baseball reference is your friend for spring training. Baseball reference has, like, the uh, equivalent formula of who they face. They do a scale. I think it's, like – I don't know if it's like two to 10, whatever it is, but they don't do any data for spring training. <laughs> it's, well, it's no. not data. It's just, they track. No, no I know they're trying the level but like, of competition. I, you face. Yeah. And I'm that's, just saying it, that's better than nothing. We don't have anything else to go. No, off I, I would just, just say use nothing. I, I would say well, I no like that because at, at least, at least it tells you like, you know, if Gabby <laughs> is facing a seven and the seven is like a, uh, equivalent of a triple a pitcher, that's better than a four of a guy who will be bagging groceries next week. You're absolutely right. So baseball reference does have that. So if you're not if you're not familiar with that, that's that's like the that's all we have to go off unless you're looking at individual box scores and looking at the the game lines. But uh, you're right. So I, I think yeah, Arias gets the earliest bats, and then thank you for just teaching Hiram a new stat to to come and tweet at me during this pre. This, uh, this would be training. a helpful stat. I'm sorry, I find this to be helpful. I mean, Let's it's better, but I, was, I I still argue that like at the end of the day, it's like, a contextual stat. Yeah, it's, it's good. Contextual. Cont- Contextual I, is good. Is always your, context is always your friend. I don't care yeah. if it's baseball, if it's any sport. Context is always your friend. Dating, marriage, kids, finances doesn't matter. Context is your friend, and it's your friend here, even if it's not perfect. It's still your friend. No, and that's fair. It just I I would always caution anyone, even with good data, to not take spring training data with any more than a grain of salt. Results, um, results yeah. don't don't forget the well, results. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's there, there's a lot more to it. If, you know, someone has a bad spring training. I mean, it was it like every pitcher kind of pooped the bed last year in spring training. Cause sometimes they're working on new pitches. Like they're not even throwing their best stuff. They're kind of working and trying to see what they can figure out. It's a, it's a time to work on stuff. So don't get, don't get too stressed. Don't get too psyched. Don't believe, you know, uh, was it Casey Koshman got LASIK surgery or that Logan Allen and Bobby Bradley are in the best shape of their careers because this is where this starts, okay? Uh, so this is Peralta where is it going to turn into a Gold Glove shortstop? Is what you're telling me? Johnny Makes Peralta got a raw deal in Cleveland because he was not a Gold Glove shortstop, but he was a very good shortstop, even if he was a below average defender. Do you remember um, his commercials for LASIK? Oh no, I don't. <laughs> See, I'll have the to time, find them. They're out oh, there. No. Uh, a lot of his career, 2020. A lot of his career, I was not living in Cleveland. Uh, so for a long time there, it was just all Hegan and Hamilton. I would, I would get the radio feeds. That was kind of my baseball for the, the two thousands, uh, for about a decade. But yeah, I, uh, yeah, I mean, well, at the same time, it's like, you know, it, you know, I tease about Hiram, but it's like, it was thanks to him playing well in spring that I feel like, you know, the 40 home run chatter started with him and it's, oh, yeah. uh, you know, we have to always be very well reasoned with it. Some guys are going to look good and there's going to be someone who doesn't look good. Who's going to be fine. So it's the fun of getting to see baseball, getting to have these players back and a chance to get that exposure to players 
talk about phrasing and context, exposure to players uh, that we don't always uh, maybe get to see or not as familiar with. Like a lot of people don't know Kate Smith at all. A lot of people don't mm-hmm. know Mike Capriz at all. And it's no an matter, hour. yeah, and no matter what happens to these guys, like you know, I always think back to um, Josh Martin, who was a player that got taken in the Rule Five by the Padres, came back. I always thought he'd get to the big leagues; it didn't happen. But while it didn't happen, he kind of got to get there in spring training. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had a family member by the name of Bill Duff through marriage, and I doubt anyone on this podcast will remember, but he was like a uh, a camp and uh, a uh, practice squad guy for the Browns. But you know, it's like that's where he got. He got there. He got more closer than anyone. Uh, can without actually playing in a regular season game and there's value in that to these players so i also want to say like for all these guys i think it's great like i think it is also just take the moment back and like the magic of baseball that no matter what happens these guys are going to get to spend a few weeks in camp facing major league talent being major leaguers even if it's not the official game i i think all of them can now say they're major league players after this point in time who is that what you would probably say for Luis Oviedo, like at this point, him being on the 40 man roster or on the 40 man roster on the, the big league camp invite. The only reason he is still not a minor league free agent was because of, um, I forget. There Trickery. was some, it was, yeah, yeah. There was some rule. I think it was Andrew, Andrew, Andrew Fever Dog, I believe, sent me it as well. That, yeah. but it's like, I, he's still got a interesting arm, and I think they still yeah. believe in it. And I think there's also that degree of like, hey, maybe this is the year, you know, they. Uh, you know, I, I talk about Eric Haas where like Eric Haas was kind of at the end of it and then it kind of clicked on and now he's like a, a you know, a full-time starter. Like he's a solid, he's the Tigers one above average bat a year ago. Uh, sometimes it just randomly clicks right and things come yeah. together and the arm is good. Like you keep running it out until he decides he's going to leave. Like that's just what I think it is. And I think it's an impressive you know, yeah. velocity and everything else. So it's, you know, it's a chance to get another look at that. What do you think about the role? I, I was, uh, Zach Meisel said that confirmed that they were going to uh, have Tuki Tucson in a multi-inning role. So he's not going to be a starter. He's not going to be uh, a, a strict reliever, but he's going to just, to, he's going to build up into a multi-inning role. I'm not sure really what to make of that. This is like a, a project they haven't really done in a while. I also wonder when Brian Shaw is going to show up to camp too. I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you there is going to be like a the second week, like the, we're going to hear on March 1st, like Brian Shaw is here in Goodyear and he might just be hanging out and visiting Tito, visiting the team, or he might be there taking a physical. Like, I don't know. I'm just waiting for, I'm waiting for the day that Zach or Andre or somebody tweets Brian Shaw is here. And they're just like, ah, oh, but he's just visiting. Like, yeah, I mean, there's going to be one of those. But I mean, there was all the conspiracy theories last year that he was going to get added back to the 40 man after he came off. So I'm looking forward to all of those popping up again. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, he'll he'll show up at some point. I mean, Tito needs, needs someone to play cribbage with. And <laughs> it's not like anyone under. Uh, I mean, I know Brian Charles younger than me, but I, I don't know how to play cribbage. And that's, that's you're, nope. you're getting it. I would bet. It's a 1% of baseball players. He is in the 99th percentile of something when it comes to uh, scores. It's it's cribbage knowledge. They got to convince Tito to play chess since they're all playing chess yeah. now. They got to get him playing chess. But yeah, no, are we, <laughs> you know, it, it's going to pop up with that with him. Uh, but yeah, no, it's going to be, yeah, Tito needs to learn chess. But I feel like Tito just kind of likes to, probably the 
the talking aspect of cards. I feel like he would be someone yeah. who's probably always chattering, where chess is more of a silent game. I don't think uh, that would necessarily be his. There's no um, smack talking. I don't play chess, but I can't imagine there's not a lot of smack talking. I think you get that in cards. I, don't know. I always felt like, I don't know. my When I, when I play <laughs> chess a lot, it's been a while. The smack talking was always like when you're, uh you know you you trap someone it's it's more the act of the chess play when you're like oh i've got you forked forked f-o-r-k where you can choose you know i'm gonna get one of your your pieces here safely and it's it's always those maneuvers where you know you can see the other person swearing in their head uh is the trash talking of chess so i feel like you know i if i face Stephen kwan he'd utterly obliterate me i'll just put that on record i got no faith in my ability against him he wouldn't even have to talk trash. I think he, he would just let us play do the talking. Yeah. Uh, so we uh, <laughs> looking at this team, uh, looking at this non-roster. Uh, aren't we like contractually obligated to talk about catchers? We we really haven't. But we spent most of the off season talking about. It. I feel like if you were to if you were to take a number of all the off season shows we did and then looked at them individually, how many times we talked about catcher? I would bet the percentage of times we talked about catcher in a show or in the soft season was probably over 75%. So I, I don't really have anything to say about, I, I like Mabry's Valora's arm. He's been an interesting prospect. I think everybody thinks that Cam Gallagher probably gets that. Cause like you said before, he's the guy who's been on teams before and he can keep the seat warm for Bo Naylor and Valoria is uh, I don't know. Valoria is a left-hander though. So I don't know. We'll see. I'll be curious. I, I, Gallagher doesn't have a good history of throwing out runners. He's no. a better framer, but Valoria doesn't have a lot of experience, but he's got a cannon for an arm. I will be curious to see how they make these decisions in camp with who becomes the backup catcher. I mean, are we are we just like writing off Brian Lavastine at this point? Like, is he just has no chance to be the backup catcher? And I, I, I would say it would stunt his development if they did. And I don't know what – I still think his ultimate ceiling, I know you agree, is probably – a, a decent backup catcher, but I think he's got a chance spill. to, I don't know. I think he's got a, a cat. The floor at catcher is so low. It is that, like, it is. I think, I, I think there is a world where he's a second. He could be a second division starter. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't think Bat that's first. beyond the realm. No, I don't think he's like an elite tier, but like, could he, be, I mean, we just saw Roberto Perez get 2.5. I mean, it's a minor league contract, but if he makes the giants, they're agreeing to pay him 2.5 million. For a guy whose body I believe is eighty percent paper mache. Oh, Roberto he hasn't played he, a full season since I mean, twenty nineteen. He hasn't even played like fifty games. It feels like it's just he is, yeah. You know, and one full season out of the whole kitten caboodle. I feel like it's been rough. And I, I mean, I really liked him. I mean, the right-handed power, the walk rate, but I, he is. He got two point five million after. I mean, did he play more in a month last year? And then before that, it's. It's a low well, ceiling. Has got a great approach at the plate too. Yeah. So. And if there's, you know, again, one thing we should learn from watching this catching position over the last two years is like, don't take one year of data. Don't throw, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. That's the expression. It's like, don't overinvest in one year because I paid the, I did. Right. That's why Bo Naylor was like 30th for me a year ago. Like, and I, a critical mistake. And the important thing when you're doing this evaluation game is to learn from those critical mistakes. And I'm like, okay, I got to look at a whole big picture. Cause the one, and I think the advantage Lavastita has over Naylor when you're comparing these prospects, their bad years is like 
Lavastid has had success at double in at double A. He's had success in the upper minors before, uh, whereas Naylor got to the upper minors and struggled and then rebounded. But I think, I don't know. I I think I, I don't think he's necessarily has a great chance to make it out of camp. He could, especially if they feel there's a forty man crunch and they don't want to like cut someone like Palacios. But um, you know, yeah, I, Valoria or Gallagher, if they are the backup catcher. I almost said quarterback. Jeez. Um, if they are the backup catcher, a lot of quarterbacks uh, are catchers, or a lot of catchers have been quarterbacks. So. Tom Brady. Um, yeah, I, they have to create a 40 man spot. And if 40 man spots are difficult, we, we spent a lot of time talking about that, too. Um, and, and you could also probably blame a lot of Lavastidis issues last year on the injury, at the hamstring mm-hmm. injury in AAA after, first of all, he was not ready to be in the major leagues no. in April last year. That, that was the consequence of a 40 man crunch. When Luke Mealy went down, and it was no, they had they were like, we're not going to cut somebody off the forty just to get Sandy Leone out here for a month. We're just going to roll with Lavastida. Was he They'll ready? Absolutely not. Right, and, but they, he was absolutely not ready for that. But they had no other choice, and, and that may happen again this year. That may, but I, I would say, like Naylor struggle, Naylor struggle. Like you said, don't don't over analyze one bad year because look, if you look at Cleveland's draft specifically. How many times have we talked about Cleveland's drafting? They will overlook a bad junior year if you had a great mm-hmm. sophomore year. They've done that in the past. They can't Same thing about with these prospects. Game. Right. That, yeah, that too. So you you can blame Lavastina's bad bad season last year on A, being rushed to the majors before he was ready because of an injury in a 40-man situation, and B, he was injured himself after he went back to AAA, and he really just spent the rest of the year catching up. So, yeah, you can throw a lot of that out with a grain of salt too. So. I don't know if it's, it would be good for him to be the backup catcher for his long-term development, but I don't know. I, I like I the only guy in that list I like as a backup catcher before, to keep the seat warm for Naylor is Valoria because Valoria I think still has upside. He was a top hundred pro, or not of his top hundred prospect, but he was a a well thought of prospect in, in some circles. And if he's he comes up and he's definitely in the top value, 10. you can trade him if if if. Uh, you bring up Naylor and Valoria does well. You're like, okay, well, he did well. We'll trade Valoria and bring up Naylor when Naylor's ready. I'm going to cut you off right here. We'll continue this discussion in a moment. We, uh, sorry, we're, you know, hitting that 40 minute mark. I don't want to get an email tomorrow. So uh, I want to thank everyone who's listening, rating and reviewing, downloading. It helps. Uh, You know, I, we have a new review four stars. I, you know, I, I would appreciate if you could give us five in the future, but Hey, you know, I will take it. So let me, uh, let me get. Does it come quick... with constructive criticism? That's my question. Uh, no, it was all positive. So there was no criticism oh. at all. Hmm. Uh, so it is from. Why, why is this not taking me to the reviews? We're at a 4.6 still on iTunes. So I do want to say, hey, still up. Uh, Joe24L on February 1st. The most informative Guardian podcast I found. Jeff and Justin do a great job of breaking down the events, metrics, in a way people are able to understand. No, it is five stars. Never mind. I don't know why it oh. popped up on mine as uh four when i was looking at my phone maybe he changed it but uh either way thank you joe uh anyone else who wants to do that subscribe on the youtube uh we are a week away from being back full time so there is that uh we got a lot of fun content gentlemen done our minor league draft uh we have not you know handled a few other things we're going to talk about either in the after show or maybe later this week that mlb the show is doing a partnership with the negro leagues kind of get into some of the great things between the guardians and like why they might be the most you know guardian slash indians have been the most progressive baseball team in baseball. I'm just going to say that here at the end of the show. Uh, Thank you for listening and go, go guardians go.